that'll never change. My legs are always shaking when I start. And I've learned that my calm down is pray. So I'm going to pray. It's mostly for me. Uh, no, I'll pray for you too, but I got to quit the shaking so I can talk to you. So let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I just want to fulfill your purpose today. It doesn't really matter who, I don't think, who's standing up here to give it. Nothing here is original. It's all truth. All truth is from you. I'm just a messenger. So help the messenger not to shake. Help the messenger to stay on, on task. I have handouts for them, and if I veer from that, uh, help me to get back on track. I'm bad about that sometimes. Lord, there's a message here. It's a serious, serious message. And if I only had one minute to give this message, it is this. Please, please, please know who our God is and know what your identity is in Jesus Christ. You cannot give away what you don't have. So parents, get it nailed down in yourselves so you can give it to your children. They need so much more protection than I think you realize. It is an ugly world out there. It is a hard world. Satan wants to steal, kill, and destroy. And he does not mind adding your children to that list. So Jesus, protect, protect, protect. And the only thing that will protect is your truth. So I pray that that message comes through so loud and clear today. Father, thank you in your holy, holy name. Amen. Okay, well, there's the message. I can quit. That was it. Okay. And one of my legs has quit shaking. That's good. Okay. Okay, well, here's the deal. Um, I do a whole lot of this. My husband and I were uh, out at California Pizza Kitchen last Friday night. He said, what are you going to talk on Sunday? I said, gun control. <laughs> and then I said, no, no, no. Elected official derangement syndrome. I thought, no, I'm going to talk about uh, teens and sex and drug issues. And he's looking at me like, have you not made up your mind yet what you're going to talk about? And I could tell that's what that look was. I said, no, honey, here's the point. I'm talking about the importance of truth and how it changes whatever the issue is. This, what I'm going to tell you, I think you could uh, uh, attach it to anything. You attach it to any of the lies that cause us to be the goofballs that we are. Um, and I, I thought, I think that's a cute graphic. I don't know who came up with that, but I really like it. Um, somebody named today Parenting in Wonderland. And when I thought it, I thought, you know, Wonderland almost sounds positive, even though I know it's goofy. And to be honest with you, I, parenting in Stupidville, I'm telling you, it is hard out there. It's a world of attack, attack, attack. Now, I have kids. Uh, I have four of them. They're all grown and, and gone. But we went through stuff. My kids now are 39, 38. How old are they? 35 and 28. Um, it's the strangest thing. Same parent, same mom. Same vegetables, same truth, same everything. Three of them went this way and one of them went that way. It's like, what? Well, the world jumped on one of them a whole different way than the others, and we'll talk about that a little bit. I absolutely love the opportunity to be here with you. I, I love doing this. This is sort of like a giant parent-counselor group session, um, more of a, a teaching session, not necessarily therapy. You can decide later if you need some of that, and, and you probably do. We all do. Um, so I'm going to try to teach in the order uh, that I have done your handout, but I can guarantee you I won't. I never do. Uh, but, it's, but, you know, it's on there for a purpose. And maybe if I don't actually say it, I think you still need to see it. The scriptures that are on there are scriptures that I won't necessarily say. I may say one or two of them here in the talk, and I may get all scrambled up and forget. But I find those to be incredibly important. And your kids need to know those. 
Uh, they're just so, so important. But here's my deal. This isn't necessarily about be sure to teach your kids this, be sure to teach your kids. I'm kind of worried about the, the adults, the parents, because you can't give away what you don't have. So this is a, a checkup for you to see how solid are you in the things I'm going to be talking about. It, then it can trickle down to the kids, okay? Uh, sometimes parents come to my counseling office. The first teenager that was ever brought to my office, it was some folks I did not know. That was usually the case, but sometimes I know them maybe you a little bit from coming to the same church. These were some folks that were not from perimeter. The lady um, walked her son to, well, I'd gone out and I said to the young man, you know, come on in. My name's Robbie Sherrill. And he shook my hand. He wasn't too happy about it. You could tell. I think he was 16. And his mother stuck her head in the door. We were kind of done with mom. But she opened my door and stuck her head in. She said, fix him. And she shut my door. And I thought, oh, wait a minute, lady. You just said that to the wrong person. And I, I said, where are you going? She said, shopping. I said, I think you better sit still. You're telling me that in one hour you want me to fix what you screwed up in 16 years? That's not, not going to happen. I could tell that's what she really brought him for. Somebody else fixed my kid. You could tell by the tone in her voice. And she really believed that was possible. So I said, I tell you what, don't, please don't go shopping. I'm going to talk to him for 10 minutes. I'm going to talk to you for 50. And that's how it turned out. And she came to about eight more counseling sessions. And then I began to work with her child. Well, I send the kid back home to the same junk that messed him up. So anyway, that, that's a little bit of what we're doing here today. And that's not my way of criticizing. Hello. That's not my way of criticizing you folks at all. This is, I'm with you. It's like, let's stand together and lead these kids. That's, we're together in this thing. Um, here's how we got to, here's why I'm standing here other than Jeff asked me to. Uh, several months ago, uh, kids began to come in my office, and one little girl said to me, um, do you know who Hannah Baker is? And I went, no, wait a minute. Have I counseled Hannah Baker? Because I've counseled. I had to figure out something for my doctorate. How many sessions have I had? 41,000 sessions. So I couldn't remember if I'd counseled Hannah Baker or not. And I, and I thought, no. But then another kid came in and told me about Hannah Baker. I thought, who's this Hannah Baker? And finally, I asked the right question. I said, who is Hannah Baker? They said, you know that girl on that show on Netflix. Oh, no, I have not counseled Hannah Baker. Well, what about Hannah Baker? Well, you know, she killed herself. What? This, and I, ooh. I said, tell me about this. So, well, there's this series called 13 Reasons Why. And more and more kids were telling me about it. And I got more and more concerned. I mean, there's enough junk out there. I said, what? I better educate myself because these kids are really wanting to talk to me about this show. I thought, well, you better watch it. So I binge watched 13 episodes of 13 Reasons Why. Nearly made me sick. And I kept begging people not to let their kids watch it. And, or if they were going to, please watch it with your kids. I called Jeff Summers. I was so disturbed. And I said, Jeff, have you heard about this show, 13 Reasons Why? He said, yeah. Well, what is that? And I said, I told him, I said, Jeff, you better watch it. So he watched it. It made him just as sick as it made me. Um, I came and talked to him about it, and I said, Jeff, if this is what our kids are facing in school, because, see, my kids are, I told you, they're ages, so we're, it's, it's just getting worse and harder and worse and harder. And I said, Jeff, I'm really concerned about this. The, what I was so concerned about is the main character, Hannah Baker, in the show. She went through some tough stuff. She went through, through some bullying. She went through kids uh, stabbing her in the back, rejecting her, just being, and, and she wasn't able to stand up under it, and she killed herself. I thought, what, that wasn't the answer. Of course, that never is the answer. But she, this girl didn't seem to have any stuff in her to fight anything. 
I mean, the least little thing, she just went down. And how, there's 13 reasons what she did was she prepared 13 audio tapes for 13 different people who had hurt her to let them know, you're one of the reasons I killed myself, and here's why. And you're one of the reasons, and you're one of the reasons. I thought, no, 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 no. That's not right. But the fact that she even would go that direction. And here's what pushed me over the edge. A kid came in my office, and she'd watched all 13 episodes, and she told me she was writing 13 letters. I thought, isn't that great? She's even going to copy the number. She was writing 13 letters to the people that she was going to leave. The letters, okay, really? I have on Invisaligns, and it makes me not think or speak correctly. Um, she was writing letters. She said she's on letter number four. I said, well, who'd you write them to? She said, the first one's to my dad. Oh, my gosh. Well, anyway, I got her in the hospital. I had, I, sadly, I do have to put kids in the hospital sometimes. She, she really was planning to kill herself, and she was going to copy it after that program. So this is not a go watch that program. In fact, don't. Don't go watch that program. Uh, they're going to do a sequel, I hear. And I've already written them a letter because they don't care. But um, it's just wrong. Here's the point. Things like this right here we can fight with. We can fight with this. I'm so concerned that our children are confused. The, the, the level of confusion, stress, they're fragile, they're insecure, they're fearful. They are misguided, and that's where you guys come in. I'm not saying you're misguiding your children. I just think we can do a tighter job, a better job. And here's a word that a, a dad used in my office. I told him I'd be speaking today. I don't know if he's here or not. He, he came up. He said, oh, they're squishy. I said, yes, our kids are squishy. They're just not, not made of the tough stuff that, that they could be made of in Christ. So I want to talk to you. Now, I'm going to put a few drawings up on the board. I know they will be a little bit hard to see, especially you folks back there. Um, for my doctorate, I had to do some mighty big projects, and one of them is I had to write a book. I didn't have to, but I did as, as a project. All the drawings are in this book. This is 64 counseling sessions. I'll put five of them, four or five of them on the board today. This is, I wish I could just throw them out here to you, but they cost me money, so they're going to cost you money if you want one. Um, they have two copies left in the bookstore. They've sold most of them. I brought 12 copies with me. They're $25, check or cash, or you can put your name on a... Uh, if you don't have check or cash and you want one, you can put your name on this uh, paper and, I'll, and your phone number, and I'll get you one. Okay. So, in other words, if you can't see these real well, there's another option. All right. Well, here's one thing I'm concerned about with kids. It's their, I call them blockheads, and I don't mean that in a negative term, but it is kind of negative. Okay. Here's the kid. Here's the kids, and they're very. They seem to be. Very I, very me, very now. And there's not like a hole here. Uh, you're supposed to be able to think if A, well then you have to have a hole. B, that could lead to B. That could lead to getting arrested. That could lead to a STD. That could lead to, you know, there's just something. It's, we just can't live in just I want to now because I want to and that's how it is. And they're not, not, I'm not seeing the thinking tools that I would hope a person would have, if A, then B. If A, then B. Now, I realize some of that is maturity, an immaturity. Uh, I used to put the number 14 by this box all the time. It was the funniest thing. Uh, it seems like the Lord selected like about 30 14-year-olds in a row almost early in my counseling days. And that's where this picture came from because in my head I was going, these bless their hearts are little blockheads. They just, I, me, now, with no 
thought about here. Well, now, this is year 20 of counseling for me. 15, 16, 17, 18, 35, 45, 50. Oh, goodness. It's not just kids. It, people are not using the, the skills to think, if this, then that. If this, then that. And you would think when they get burned, something happened. That, that's a great teacher. I learned by mistake. Lots of them. Um, some people aren't learning by mistake. They will do the same thing over and over and over again. And then when they're sorry, they're sorry they got caught. Uh, I'm seeing so much of that. And by the way, this is generalities. Some of you have the most amazing kids. Some are, you know, but this is generalities. And, and my kids didn't. I didn't have too much trouble with this a couple, couple of times, but it wasn't ongoing. So I want, the, I want you to help your children think outside the box. Here's the deal. They have armor, but they're not using it. God designed us to be able to withstand some things. I mean, there's just way too many hurt feelings out there. This hurt my feelings. Well, so what? But that's, I mean, just watch the news if you want to look at hurt feelings. It's like I can hardly stand it. I'll say. I totally agree with that. Um, and, and, and you have to look. We got who's fighting on our kids? Satan, the world, our own sin nature. And y'all need to look at um, are you fighting against it or are you helping to feed it? My daughter-in-law is an eighth-grade science teacher over in some other county. I don't know. I was over there yesterday watching my grandchild's basketball game, and I was sitting with her through the whole game. I told her what I was talking about today. She's been teaching for about 14 years, and I, said, and I, I didn't even ask. She said, I'm telling you, parents, it's just, it's just she, she said 10 years. The last 10 years, parents do not want their children to get uncomfortable. It used, she said it used to be when their grades were slipping, the parents would say, what's going on here with your grades? What are you going to do about this? Now they call the school and say, how come you're not helping my baby make better grades? It's somebody else's fault. Why are our kids getting squishy? I think some of the parenting's gotten squishy. Well, that's a, that's a funny word. I just love that word, so I'm going to keep using it. But it, things are just, just not, not in order. Let me ask you two questions. And I think these are on there at the bottom of your first page. I believe I wrote something about two questions. What have you been, I may not say it the way, but it means the same thing. What have you been taught about who God is and his attributes? Describe him and who God is to you. And if I gave you 30 seconds, which I'm not going to, I, hopefully you could come up with bam, 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 bam. This is who God is. And it would be truth about God's attributes. And I'm going to come back and tell you about some of the answers I've gotten. And another question who have you been taught about who you are to God? What do you believe he says and thinks about you? What, in other words, what is your identity in Christ? I ask kids that question all the time. But let me tell you what I did recently. I asked a group of adults this question. And these are what I would call a leader, adults. And I, said, and I gave them paper. And I did give them 30 seconds to answer those two questions, each one 30 seconds. And I said, do not put your names on these papers. And I'm so glad I did that. It would have broken my heart. I could hardly talk for a, a, just a few seconds after I took up their papers and started reading their answers back to them. Six of those adults wrote under, the, under question number two, what have you been taught about who you are to God? What does Jesus say about you? Six of them put the word failure. I thought, what? That just broke my heart. I mean, it still, still messes me up now to think that. What? 
Well, here's the deal. What would your kids say? To, well, first of all, what do y'all say to that question? You know not to say failure. I just told you not to. Um, but I wonder what you thought. If you thought, I'm a big mess up. I'm a big screw up. I'm, no. No, no. That's not your identity. That is not your identity. But when I ask kids those questions in my office, I get the most horrific answers. Let me, let me share some of them with you. About 10% of the kids are spot on, and about 90% are crushing. The answers are crushingly disturbing. And they're coming from, no finger pointing here, from some of your homes. They're coming from lots of homes from this church, lots of homes from other churches. And, and not all the kids I come, that I work with are from churches, but most of them are from church homes. Most of them are. But when I say to the kids, here's a general answer. Who is God to you? Like that first question, describe him. I get some of this. A general, he's awesome. He can do anything. He's okay, I guess. He's not my thing right now. I'll probably do that when I grow up. It's so not. It's just not strong. And then I get this one. Well, nobody's in that much anymore, but my parents make me go to church. The God thing is going like this. It's going like this. So then where's their identity going? Because where do you get your identity? Well, here's the answers I get. Who are you to God? Most of them say he loves me. I like that answer, but it's words. I'm sorry to say I think it's just words because of all the stuff that follows and what they come into counseling for. Um, they say he loves me. They do say that, most of them. He thinks I'm nice. He thinks I'm nice. I study hard, so he likes me. He's proud of me. I'm a good athlete. He likes me because I go to disciple group, discipleship group. He likes me because I mostly obey my parents. That's not your identity. That, that is not it. I almost never get an answer about their identity, and I wonder what they're being taught. What are they being taught? Well, let's look at this. I, I don't know if I put this on your paper or not. I think I did. The next thing, next drawing. B stands for beliefs. And your beliefs lead to how you think, your feelings, and your actions. I know y'all can't see this in the back. This marker's not very dark. Beliefs, thinking, feeling, actions. Uh, let me give you a quick example about beliefs. I used to believe, I'm going to give it to you in three levels. I'm going to give you BTFA, and then another, something happened, BTFA, thinking, feeling, actions, and then a third Belief TFA and how this can, well, stuff happens in life. Okay, so I used to believe as a kid and up until my adulthood that flying in an airplane was awesome. It was safe. It was fun. It was just you go places, have a great time. I used to think that. And then uh, I was a single mom for several years. And so I had my three little kids at the time, a four and a five-year-old and a baby. I'm holding the baby in my lap. I was on an 18-seat little Mosquito, I don't know what that thing was. A little bitty plane. <laughs> My parents paid for me and the children to come fly over to Tupelo, Mississippi to see them from Atlanta. And we're doing that on this little 18-seat thing. And up until that minute, I believe flying was good. It was fun. Thinking, flying's good. It's a quick way to get there rather than driving for six and a half hours with three little kids to Tupelo, Mississippi, which I've done many times. Feeling, feeling good. Happy. And action, I take the action. I get on the airplane. So we're flying from Atlanta to over there near Tupelo, 
And um, there's a curtain. There's no big door over the pilot like in the big aircraft. There's just a curtain. And something, that plane did the weirdest thing. All of a sudden, it dropped real fast, like, ooh, in your stomach, like, whoa. Okay, we're good, we're good. And all of a sudden, and that plane is going down so fast that then it flips over. We are upside down. And we stay that way a long time. And I know something doesn't seem right about this. I don't know everything, but I think I knew that. Something was not right. And the pilot came on his little speaker and said, I'm sorry, there's nothing I can do. What does that mean? It means you're going to crash. We are just about to do it. And I'm seeing finally, oh, oh the, the four-year-old and five-year-old, there's a little space between the seats. I saw both of their heads come together and go, Mommy. And I, thought, I said, it's okay. And I lied because it was not okay. But why tell them? And, and, and I thought, we're all going to go together. We're all going to go together. I don't want to live anyway because I was so upset about being a single parent. I had not accepted it very well yet. My husband left when I was pregnant with that baby. So I thought, okay, this will take care of it. But I was, I was scared, and ladies, this is it. I'm going to tell you what, my beliefs about flying are changing at that moment. Um, right as I see the rooftops, and we are just almost upside down. I see rooftops. It was a strange, on that curtain was on the ceiling of that airplane. That we are completely over. All of a sudden, we go, it flips again and goes, whoosh. And my heart's just pounding even telling you that. I can still see it. And the pilot came back on. He said, I'm sorry. We're okay now. And okay, it's over. He said, he, then he came on and explained. He said, I'm sorry, we got caught in a wind shear. And I remembered a story about a plane that went down in a wind shear years ago, a, a huge jetliner that killed 200-something people. The word wind shear is not one of my favorite words. But here's the deal. From that moment, for the next 15 years, I believe airplanes were the devil. And not ever getting on one again, and I didn't for 15 years. My thinking is, oh, no, uh, mm, mm, uh, fear, fear, fear is the feeling, action, not getting on an airplane. See, I married the sweetest guy after this, these single years. He so wanted to take me to Italy. you got to take somebody else because I'm not going. <laughs> and we have not gone to Italy yet, but maybe someday we will. I hope, because here's what's happened. I was going to speak at a women's conference. Um, I don't remember what year it was. It was 15 years after that. And I'm going to drive. It's in Indiana. It was up in Indiana. My brother uh, was, was PCA minister up there. And I've been asked to speak at his church. And I'm going to drive up there. Of course, we're not flying. So I'm going to drive up there. And I'm going to spend some extra days with my brother. So it's perfect just to drive up there. And, and um, they sent me an airline ticket. Oh, great. Well, I'm supposed to speak on faith. <laughs> now what am I going to do? Well, my husband said, well, sweetie. You're going to get on that airplane. You're going to fly up there. Oh, no, I'm not. Oh, yes, you are. Oh, no, I'm not. Oh, yes, you are. And God said, oh, yes, you are. Oh, shoot. And it's really called exposure therapy. When you're scared of something and you want to get over it, just do it. Just do it. So my husband drove me to the airport that morning, and I was just, I can't tell you how new I was so sick. And I thought, I can't do this. I can't do this. But I have to do this. I have to act like I believe in God because I'm going to go up there and tell those women I do. I was so scared. I didn't know what to, how to handle myself. This big storm hit the Atlanta airport and it delayed our flight for three hours. And, the, and it was one of those, guess what size plane it was? Good grief. God, you are not funny sometimes. It was a little bitty plane. Little bitty plane. I thought, I'm not doing it. I will walk before I do that. And the storm would not let up. And they said, we cannot fly in this. I thought, well, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Well, it didn't let up. It didn't let up. And they said, we got to go. And the water, the water, it's a part of the airport I've never seen before where you get on little planes. 
and, and they don't have a little thing to, the thing that connects to the airport that you walk through, you have to walk out. So we drowned walking out to the plane. Um, then I was worried about how heavy we were all going to be because we were all wet. I, mean, I was thinking of all this. <laughs> and we get on the, and I got put in the very last seat. I thought, good, nobody can see how I'm acting. And I was just beside myself and knuckling. And then I something, it was like a little revival meeting. Robbie, do you believe I am who I say I am? Well, if you're going to put it like that, yes. He said, it was like, do you believe I am who I say I am? Yes. And then it just, that just kept going. Do you, and I, I, I was releasing the uh, armrests a little bit more, a little bit more. And to, look, either I believe he is who he says he is, or I do or I don't. I do. And that plane took off, and I saw the most beautiful things over Indiana. And when I got off, it started to snow up there. It was the fall. But the things I saw, and I thought, Lord, I would have never seen those farms and those beautiful fall trees around those farms. And just if I hadn't, if you hadn't made me do this. Anyway, I fly now. So now I believe planes are okay again. My thinking has changed. I feel better about it, and I will fly. Do you see how powerful beliefs are? Another quick story about beliefs. I went to, uh, every once in a while, I used to go up to what we call juvie, juvenile detention. It's up 316 if you're, like, you're heading up to that place, UGA, go Gators. And um, <laughs> anyway, so I went to juvie and I never knew who I was going to talk to. I didn't have an appointment, but you could just go on Saturday and say, I'd like to speak with a, a child today. So they put me with this boy. I never knew who I was going to talk to. And um, I said, what's your name? And he told me, he said, did you see me on the news last week? And I went, uh, well, I don't know. But I remembered about a boy who had stabbed a kid for calling him the N-word. I th- I, and I said, were you the... He said, I am. I cut him. He was real proud of it. And you might think, what's he doing in juvie? He was just waiting to be transferred to jail. And that's the one God assigned me that day. And I said, uh, wow, tell me what happened. And he said, well, he called me the, the word. He trash-talked me, and I cut him. And he's like, it was like, that's what you're supposed to do. I said, well, now, wait a minute. And so I showed him something... And I don't actually know what happened to this young man. I do know he went to the prison system. Because when I called to see if I could come see him again, he was already gone. So I hope he survived the deal. But here's, I did get a chance. That young man did get a chance to hear this. What did I do with my marker? Oh, this happens in my office too. Okay, so I said, well, let me, let me make sure I understand. He, he called you something awful. And I'm sorry he did that. That was, that was a wrong choice on his part, and it was very disrespectful. I'm sorry he did that. I said, did you know you had choices? And he burst out laughing. He'd been taught, if anybody messes with you, just cut them. That's all he'd been taught. I said, well, let me show you something. Uh, had you ever thought about this? You could have just walked away. And he laughed, and he laughed like I was insane. That was hysterical to him. I said, you could have said, please, I'll just say it, please don't talk to me that way. You could have said, you don't talk to me like that. Or you could cut him. He had a buddy sitting next to him, and he looked at that buddy, and he went, did you hear her? She said I didn't have to cut him. That's all I know. And they are laughing. They are hysterical. They do not actually know there are other choices. 
They had a belief that if you're offended, you cut them. Therefore, they think if you mess with me, I'm going to cut you. And they feel right in doing so. And they act on it. Beliefs, TFA. It works for everything. BTFA, you cannot get around it. You will act based on your beliefs and what you think. And, and so your children, if they're acting as, look at their actions, it reveals a great deal about them. Because you sometimes wonder, wonder what my kids are thinking, wonder what they believe. Well, just look at how they're acting. And, and that, it, that never fails. That never fails. Um, and, and by the way, that I prayed, prayed, prayed that God did something with that message with that young man because he was brought up very differently than you're bringing your children up. But that, that was what he was taught. So you can see why my point is that I'm so concerned about our kids being confused and insecure and fragile and fearful and stressed and hurting, even squishy. Uh, they do not have beliefs, the right beliefs, that are giving them strength and helping them be grounded in truth. By the way, when I, while I go mention those two things about uh, who do we say God is or who do your kids say and who does Jesus say they are, here's the kinds of things you should be teaching your children that should just blow out of them. God. Creator, sovereign, merciful, essence of all grace, omniscient, which means all-knowing, omnipresent, all-present, omnipotent, all-powerful, wisdom, justice. He's all order and logic. He's our only hope, the majesty, the king, holy, holy, holy. That's what should blow out of us Christians, and that's just a speck of it. That's just a speck. Here's what they ought to be saying and believing when they are asked about their identity in Christ. Fully loved, fully accepted, fully approved of, fully forgiven, beloved, friend of God, fully free, redeemed, restored, adopted, holy, made pure, justified, or son or a daughter of the king, protected, secure, so, so cared about. He cares about every single detail about you, designed with a purpose and amazing abilities. Now, you may think, why didn't you list those so we get really... Y'all make your own list, but you get the drift. What is your list? What are you teaching your children? What are you teaching them? Here's an idea for you, and I'm real serious about this. Now, unfortunately, my sweet next-door neighbors are in this room right now. I'm going to come check, see if they do this. I think you ought to put <laughs> No pressure. No pressure. I think you ought to make signs. I like great big long ones and have them laminated, two of them. I'm really serious about this. Don't go to Hobby Lobby and get those little wooden things that said, Jesus loves you. Those are cute, but I'm serious here. I'm serious. I think you ought to have two great big long, get somebody that does calligraphy, make them awesome for you. I think you ought to have a great big list about who God is and his attributes in your house. And I think you ought to have a great big list about who Jesus says you are. And here's why. If that's just there all the time, you can't help that it just soaks in. It's just there. Think about some commercials and songs you've heard on the radio TV, and those stick because you hear them over and over and over. Why not having this stuff hit you over and over and over and stick? Any takers on that idea? I really think you should do, you know, why not? In my home growing up, came from a very strong Christian home, and my daddy dripped messages like this into us all the time. We didn't have a sign on the wall, but I'll tell you one thing we had on the wall. Um, it was a picture of Jesus. At that, it's, You've all seen this picture. There's a great stream of light coming down on Jesus' face. He's kneeling about that rock in the Garden of Gethsemane. And uh, I used to, and that picture still sticks with me. I'm almost 64 years old, and I can still see that picture. But here, here's my, my memory. There were no words with the picture. 
I thought he was praying for me. Then I found that he was praying for himself in that picture. But that's okay. That's okay. He really was praying for me. Read John 17 if you wonder if he ever prayed for you. That made me cry. I mean, I have wept. When I, when I read John 17 where he prays for those who are yet to come, that's us. And it's personal and it's beautiful. And really do read John chapter 17. Okay, in, um, Mark, get ready. We're not quite ready, but it'll be slide number one in just a second. I want to put something real important up here. Real, real important. Well, that's a crummy eraser. Let me just work with this one. All right. Here's the deal. You might say, oh, she's drawing a cross. Yep. But here's how I use it. And I do this with almost everybody that comes in my office. You cannot change the things in your beliefs and thinking that need to be changed unless you can identify what needs to be changed. You have to identify your lies. Let me uh, tell you some of the stuff that I hear over and over and over. You have to identify your child's lies. And I just told you one way to be able to do that. Look at their actions. Look at what's going on, okay? Here are some of the major lies that I get over and over and over. This was a real easy list, and I thought, that's enough, stop. Um, I don't look as good as the other kids. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. Nobody loves me. Nobody likes me. My legs are too fat. I don't matter. I don't fit in. I'll never achieve anything. My parents love my sibling more than me. I'm easy to forget. I always say stupid things. Everybody thinks I'm stupid. I never do anything right. I have messed up too much. I have ruined everything. That's, that's the type of stuff you get down to. Kid, what do you believe about yourself? And they'll tell you. And I love that, the honesty. We've got to change that to this. Because even though they may have messed up something, they haven't messed up everything. They are not unloved. Their identity in Christ has not changed. But they get, they, the world will give them, and if they'll let it, a new identity. Screw up. Loser. And terrible things happen. I am ready for that slide. Okay. One of my children, my youngest went through an incredibly rough time when she was 14, 15, 16. And she was a student right here at Perimeter Christian School when she was sliding. It's not their fault, by the way. But she was sliding down the pipe. I mean, she comes from a strong Christian home. She's in a good Christian school. It, it did not appear to mean doodly squat. It did, because she's okay now. But here's the deal. I went down in my basement. Oh, she loves to paint. I went down in my basement one day. We have an unfinished basement before you throw the junk, you know. And that was leaning against the wall. That's a large canvas. Now, folks, that's just awful. I just stood there. And it, it, that's just so indicative of pain. I call it the silent scream. And that showed that my child was trying to get out of this prison, this darkness. She was extremely depressed. She was under psychiatric care. Um, the medications that are supposed to help in two to three weeks, she took for seven months before they ever started. She was on suicide watch. Uh, it was just awful. But I want to show you when this is going on right here, that's what's going on. And I didn't know if she's going to make it or not. And for four years, three of those four years, I sat outside her bedroom door almost every night with my hand on her door praying over her. Oh, God, may she see the next sunrise. Oh, God, please bring her out of this. Lord, whatever it is, whatever it is. And I found pictures 
in this journal. And she, she really, this is not her typical type of art, which I'll show you in a minute. I found a picture of, she's really good with human body form. And she drew a hand and it was like this. And the other was a razor blade. And then she drew another picture, the hand again, and it was, and that was indicative. My child cut herself for two years over and over and over. And when we went to get a wedding gown, it had lace up to here. And lace, you had to cover everything because of the scars. It's just heartbreaking. But God, I'd rather like that next picture. Let's look at the but God picture. That's what I got for Christmas this year. She painted that. She lives in Seattle. She is healed. And I got that for Christmas. It's 30 by 30. And can that girl paint? Is that different? You know why it's different? She lives over here now. She lives here. This is what I'm trying to tell you, the difference in what's going on in their heads. Do they know their identity? She's been able to switch from the lies of Satan, the lies of the world, the lies she told herself, her own self-talk, and she went to a severe depression. We're not fully sure why, by the way. There's so many different kinds of depression. We think she partly had what's called endogenous depression, Depression that's made from your own biology. Wasn't necessarily hereditary. Wasn't necessarily from a, we didn't have a traumatic event. You know, a, a, just her body made her sick, her own brain. And Satan was loving it and she was buying it too. But anyway, yippee-yay-yay, okay? This is awesome. Um, one of the things that kids do, here's, here's, let me show you what kids often do. Oh, that's the battery. Um is they will, they will try to fix a problem with a problem. Did I put that on your paper, problem on problem? Here's what this looks like. Let's just call this I hurt. And we'll call that problem number one. And that's true of all of us. We're sinners. We live in a broken world. It is difficult. And there's no such thing as a person that doesn't have some kind of I hurt some type of insecurity, something yucky in your childhood. Maybe you just got fired from a job. Uh, you have a disease, a, a physical malady, a mental health issue. There is, but we're sinners, so that's enough right there. Okay, well, here's what's so unfortunate that so many people do. And if your children don't have this armor that I'm talking to you about today, this is what will happen. They will go maybe for uh, drugs and alcohol, but alcohol is a drug, so I'll just put the word drug there. You would not believe how much porn I get told about in my office. Some of them just blurted out and don't even, girls too. I had a girl tell me last week, she said, well, I just want to tell you one more thing about myself. Ever since blah, blah, blah happened to me, I just go to, I just look at porn for relief. I said, how's that working? She said, I can't seem to get enough. Okay. We're, we're, we're working on that. We're going to try to kill that in her life. Uh, there's eating or, or not, lack thereof. So I just do this for those that don't eat. And then there's uh, shopping, and you would not believe how much shoplifting I work with. They're all looking for something to fix the first thing that hurts. They're all looking for something. Some of them will turn to friends, but they're not always what we really call friends, people that want to take them down, you know, bad situations. And I had one more common one I was going to put up there. Oh, yeah, yeah, cutting, the one I just told you about, cutting. And we could go on and on. We could add 10 more, unfortunately. 
Here's the one that's missing. See, problem on problem. They answer, all these are problem number two. These are number two. You don't answer a problem with a problem. Now you got two problems. And that a lot of this can go to addiction. So here's the one that's not happening. The one I'm, tell, I'm asking you all to, to beef up. You've got to go to the truth. You've got to go to the answer. You've got to know your identity in Christ. These will not help you. But the world is offering every one of these to your kids. And so, so, so much more. Netflix binging. But what are they watching on Netflix? Y'all do, have, y'all do have your kids' passwords to their phones, right? I know some of you don't. If it was okay to slap people, I'd slap you right now. <laughs> that is just dumb. Why don't you just hand them a weapon? Get your children's passwords. First of all, why do they have, why do they have so much phone and device time? It is poison. It is poison. It is poison. If you love your children, take some of their poison away for crying out loud. Snoop, snoop, snoop. It's called love, love, love. And I'm big on snoop. And I know that just offended. Oh, but what about their privacy? I don't care about their privacy. I really don't. Uh, uh, You know, um, I want to raise them up and keep keep them alive. I, I really, really do. All right, um, they are counting. Our kids count on things for their uh, happiness and their fulfillment that were not meant to fulfill. It's a little different than this picture. This is one I, I use with a bunch of adults. Uh, here's, here's real quick. This is a cup. Okay, this is Jesus. Another cup. This one leaks. Guess what it's called? Earth. And you just, no telling what all goes in here. Well, how about everything but Jesus? Money, looks, smarts, talent, relationships, it all leaks. None of it's going to fulfill you. None of it's going to sustain you. It's a mess. It's an absolute mess. You have got to put your stuff in this cup. You've got to get your stuff from this cup, from the truth. Um, the rock this is founded on all truth it will never fail you it will not sink nothing that goes in here that money those friends those looks those talents those relationships nothing is going to hold up here nothing ever and some of you know you've lost well like when your husband walks off on you when you're pregnant with your third child well thank you very much and I'd learned, I relied way, way, way too much on being okay. You know, that, I fell apart. I shouldn't have. I mean, it's okay to cry a day or two. But I, I fell apart for two years after that. And that was just way too much focus and leaning on something that could not hold me up. Um, this is a certain fail every time. A lot of you have experienced that this will never fail. This will never. And that's what your kids need to know. So here's the point. When something hard smacks into them, they need to go, I'm okay. It's all right. And do they? Do they automatically go, oh, that's okay. Yeah, life's tough, but I'm fine. Do they say that? I hadn't met any. I really haven't met many kids that say that. Um, last one, last little picture here. Then I have five sermons for you going, you do? Yeah, but it's fast. And I put them on your sheet because I knew we'd run out of time. I never, uh, when I'm speaking, I never don't run over. 
So I'm trying real hard to behave myself today. Here's uh, my favorite counseling picture. I drew this for a group of leaders last week and a whole bunch of pictures. And one guy came up and said, that last one was my favorite. Okay, so, and I, I guess y'all figured it out. My daughter's the artist and I'm not. You figured that out yet? I can't draw, that's for sure. Okay, so clearly this is Jesus. And here's the rest of us. I believe that the ground is level at the foot of the cross. And that's, let's say, the 7 billion of us that are hanging out on earth right now. And let's just pick this one for either you or your child. And let's pick these guys for some other people. Well, Romans 125 says, let's go back to you or your child. Oh, wait, I forgot something very important. The message from Jesus Fully, I'm just going to say, approved, fully accepted, fully loved. Fully. And how much is fully? Fully. Oh, I should have looked up that word, but fully. All the way. There's no exceptions. Fully approved, fully accepted, fully loved. That's you. That's that identity thing. That verse. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served created things rather than God, who is to forever be praised. Well, I can't go. They won't like me. Really? Oh, bless your heart. Why do we let people give us a scorecard? They didn't like my hair. I have to look like this. They're going to laugh at me. I can't drive that. Everybody has BMWs. And we adults do this too. Listen, people. Exchanging the creator for the creation and letting it give you a scorecard. I used to watch ABC Wide World of Sports with my dad when I was a kid on Saturdays. And it was, it was uh, you know, no electronics back then. So the guys, would, it was like they were always going down the ski slope. I know they had other sports back then, but that's all I remember them doing. Going down the ski slope and going swish, and then coming down. And their arms are back like this, you know. It's really cool. Then they go splat. I mean, well, they'd go ski. And then the judges... I'd sat at this big table at the bottom of the slope and would hold up these cardboard cards and give them a scorecard. And then somebody must have done some tallying and we'd see who won. I guess y'all none of y'all are that old, huh? They've always had electron. Oh, yeah, thank you. Thank you very much. So my dad turned to me one Saturday, and you knew this was serious because he didn't call me Robbie. He called me that other name, Roberta Lynn. Oh, I thought, what have I done? He was teaching me something. He said, Roberta Lynn, don't ever let anybody give you a scorecard. You've already been scored. It's beyond your imagination. Jesus loves you. I mean, my dad gave me the best lessons. None of that junk. Don't ever let anybody give you a scorecard, ever. You guys either. I had a man about 55 years old come to Christ in my office one morning last September, I think it was, when I drew that picture for him. He told me he would make steaks for people that came to him on the grill. And he said, and I embarrassed myself. For the next two hours, I go, how was that steak? How was that steak? Did you like that steak? How? He wanted somebody to go, yes, it was awesome. Golly, dude, it was wonderful. He couldn't get enough accolades. And he realized it. I said, what are you doing? What about him? He said, I forgot about him. So I got to introduce him to him. This guy had been in church his whole life. And it was so neat to see him come in truth transform everything about the guy in that moment no more scorecards do you know how free you are in christ if you don't you're not going to be able to teach it to your children that is my point that's why you needed to be here okay five quick sermons 
Five quick sermons. Here, I call that. I'm not, these aren't for you. These are the kinds of things uh, my wonderful, wonderful, amazing Christian dad would just sit down and say, Hey, Rob. And he'd just tell me something, and i call them little sermons. These are, these are some I picked out of my head last night. Um, well, but, but I, it's all truth. Like, things like this. I think you should just say to your kid, Hey, you know what? Today your heart's going to search for some kind of satisfaction. Is it going to look for the creator or the creation? Evidence about your relationship with both will be revealed today. Just that's a sermon. Like what? Bam. Uh, another one. It's just the gospel. Some realities. Hey, you know what? We're mess ups. We live in a broken world. We have no power to fix any of that on ourselves, on our own. I mean, but Jesus came to rescue us, to forgive us, to give us a new identity, and to protect us. Bam. You don't have to talk to your kids for hours. And by the way, there's a two-minute cutoff on their brains anyway. So look what you can do in under two minutes. Uh, and I'm serious. You parents, especially you dads, they give those 20- and 30-minute lectures. Oh, give it up. You are wasting your time. Say what you need to say in the first minute and a half to two minutes and stop it. They are not listening to you. And they come in and tell me. You know what when your kids come in and tell me their dads do? Uh, they rolled around. My dad gave them line. They go like this. Okay, well, I doubt that that's what dad said. But that's what they think dad said. Okay, number three. This is one of my favorite ones. First Samuel chapter 17, David and Goliath. You know, we got God's Israelite army there. The, the army of the living God. And they're going to face the Philistines. And all of a sudden, these guys that know God have identity amnesia because Goliath walks out. The Israelites, the army of the living God, go back in their tents for 40 days and go, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? David shows up to bring lunch, like to a buddy or his brother or somebody. David shows up just to bring lunch. He goes, give me a rock. He wasn't even in the army. Why did David do that? How was he able to do that? He knew his identity. He understood what it meant to be a child of the living God. He's one of my heroes, that rock story. He knew what he had access to and what he'd been given. Do your kids know what they have access to and what they've been given? Uh, Charles Spurgeon, one of my faves, he said, All of God's holy attributes are fully employed on your behalf 24-7. Identity, identity, identity. Let's put up the last picture. Okay, that's called Daughter of the King. I, do, I paint. I can't draw, but I paint. That one's mine. I learned it from my daughter. You know, that genetic thing went backwards in our family. I started taking, and that's not awesome, but it's, it's one of my favorite ones. I wanted to paint something that I could distribute to the young ladies that I was working with who come in and tell me they're losers and that they're screw-ups and that nobody loves them. And then they go and behave like what they think they're worth. They let guys use them. They get, it's just a wreck. It's just a wreck. I thought, that's enough of that. Most of the girls that walk in my office get a photograph. It's, the original painting is in my house. I gave all of my daughters what's called a gicle. It's an, a, a professional reproduction. It looks like the original painting, but, but it's not. It's a copy. But that is what I want your girls to know about themselves. Now, I have an idea for the guys. I haven't painted it yet. I'd like a little feedback on this. I cheated on this one. I saw that in the magazine. I thought it was cool, and I just painted it. I didn't come up with that idea. But I loved the name, Daughter of the King, I did. I have in my mind a picture of a guy. He's standing. He's on his back, and there's a beautiful hill. And on a hill far, 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 far away is a cross. 
way over there. And this guy is, is sort of cut in half. Half of him is a suit of armor, and he's holding a sword up. The other half of him is a, a denim shirt, khaki pants, and he's holding up a Bible. And he's just like this. And he's called a soldier of the cross. Now, that's what I have in my head to paint. We'll see if it's able to come out or not. And if, you know, somebody asked me someday, did you ever paint that soldier of the cross? And it might get me going. Let's look at sermon number four. God's grace and truth give you all you need to face this tough Goliath world. Truth transforms you from insecurity, insecurely squishy to strong and brave. But you must have and know that truth. You cannot use what you do not have. Finally, what do you practice saying to yourself? What is the gospel you say to yourself every day? What do you say about God? What is your inner monologue made of? Will it conquer or crumble? Remember, beliefs in TFA, thinking, feeling, acting, lies and truth. Two books I want to I recommend to you if you want to keep going on this theme, telling yourself the truth. Uh, Randy Pope's mentioned it many times. It's downstairs in the bookstore. Telling yourself the truth is awesome. Written by a guy named uh, Bacchus, B-A-C-K-U-S, and a lady named Marie Chapian, C-H-A-P-I-A-N. Um, another book, uh, Search for Significance by Robert McGee. Love that book. It's the first counseling book I ever used 20 years ago. Search for Significance by Robert McGee. I leave you with a little little deal to remember. STP. STP. Snoop, teach, and pray over your kids. Okay? That is it for time. I'm supposed to, yeah, we have time for a speck of Q&A if you want to. If you want a book and we're done with that, come up and we'll take care of that. Um, so, in, is there any Q&A? And I'm going to pray in just a second when we're done. A comment. Uh oh. Okay. <laughs> Yeah. It goes like this. There's pictures on one side and the explanation on the other. It's one idea. We read it, look at the picture, chat about it, boom, done. It's Thank you. You're kind. Anybody else have a question? No? Hi. Okay. Uh, you mentioned friends as a problem disguised kind of as an answer or solution or something. Mm-hmm. When you see that happen, Right. When you do, how, what is the best strategy as far as deterring a relationship with an unhealthy, a friendship that isn't a friendship, or maybe someone that is probably not your friend? Right. Great question. Things like, what, what is this adding to your life? Are you changing to become like them so they'll approve of you? Or, or are you able to be who you really are, and do they still like you? The biggies are, are you having to change to fit into this crowd? And are you, are you who you are? Um, and what are they adding to your life or taking away? What's, but the big thing is change. The big thing is change. And sometimes you just have to pull the parent card and go, nope, you're not going to hang out with them. And don't, people go, but my kids will be mad at me. They won't, they, they, you're not their friends. You're their parents. You are their guardrails. But the, the big thing uh, is is, are, is the kid changing? And if the kid can see that they're changing, why do they want to do that? Changing into what? They change their standards, which means they don't have standards. They start acting like the kids they're hanging with, which was a, 
not the standards they were brought up with, and that's the big clue right there. Anything else? What, what is, what is, I don't how have, much time? It is, yeah, well, it's time to kind of wrap up. Time to kind of wrap up? Yeah. Well, we're going to um, kind of wrap up. Do you want to pray? I do, okay. I do. You go ahead. All right. Well, dear Heavenly Father, I got through the notes. That's what I believe you wanted me to share with these people. I pray that something or a whole bunch of it just landed on their hearts. Lord, I pray they will do a personal inventory of their own beliefs about you, their beliefs about their own identity in Christ. I really do pray that they will put lists in their homes so that their kids just see it and see it and see it so that when they're in a tough place one day and Satan's telling them they're nothing, the truth will flood their minds because it's so ingrained. Jesus, thank you. We need you desperately 24-7. Of course, all of your holy attributes are fully employed on our behalf 24-7. Help us to wear your armor, to guard our children, to teach our children, to snoop where necessary for their protection. Lord, thank you for giving us all we need to survive. In your holy, holy name I pray. Amen. Amen. I love. Thank you so much, Robbie. You're welcome. I want to give her a hand. Thank you. I think it's, you know, as a parent, I, I don't know if you guys are like me, but I, I sometimes don't feel the power of the Holy Spirit in my parenting. You know, you're dealing with dinner and you're dealing with carpools and you're dealing with bills and, and it can be easy to think that we don't have, to forget that we have that power. And I, let, I thank you so much for just reminding us that, you know, what First Corinthians says is the power that's in us is stronger than the power that's in the world. And so as dangerous as technology can be or those things, God is bigger and stronger. And so thanks for that reminder. You're welcome. Um, I did want to tell, last week somebody asked about a um, D group or a community group for parents of teens, and there is one. And so the information is up there. It's called Fearless Footprints, and it's um, families with middle and high school aged children desiring to grow deeper with God and with each other. Our emphasis will be on building godly families through strengthening marriages, gaining valuable parenting skills, as well as reaching out to the world around us. We value transparency and being authentic as we help each other grow in Christ. Fun outdoor family outings such as hiking, camp, camping, kayaking will be planned, meeting the first and third Sunday of the month at 2 p.m. We are a multi-ethnic group with children from middle school to teenagers meeting in Johns Creek. Our meetings are twice a month. Um, so if you're interested in that... They're, they're meeting this today at 2 p.m., and the leaders of that group are Steve and Hakees. I don't know them, but wanted to let you guys know that's available. They're doing a Chinese New Year, and so bring food and drink, and they're going to have some fun things this afternoon at that address. Um, so thank you guys.